Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. I'm going back today to end this season. I'm so looking forward to 2022. I have amazing, amazing guests coming up, starting with the concept of living. And I felt like what better way to end 2021 than to go back to one of my favorite episodes and certainly one of your all favorite episodes with Dr. Bruce Lipton. And in this episode, we talk about really how you can shift and change the trajectory of your life based on epigenetics. And so in this episode, I'm going to be commenting a little bit on some of what Dr. Lipton and I spoke about, also sharing a little bit of some before and after behind the scenes footage of our banter, because that's the stuff that you all don't get to hear or see. But usually there is a lot that happens before the show and after the show, when the guests and I just kind of talk about life, death and the space between. So here you go for the end of 2021, a little glimpse into what goes on inside my mind outside the actual podcasting space, and also to deepen your understanding of what was one of the most transformative episodes in the 200 that I've done. So enjoy. I have Bruce H. Lipton, PhD, an international recognized leader in bridging science and spirit, stem cell biologist, best-selling author of The Biology of Belief, and recipient of the 2009 Goy Peace Award. He has been a guest speaker on hundreds of TV and radio shows, as well as a keynote presenter for national and international conferences. Dr. Lipton's work summarizing his findings entitled The New Updated 10th Anniversary Edition of the Biology of Belief, his second book, Spontaneous Evolution, Our Positive Future and a Way to Get There from Here, and his third book, The Honeymoon Effect, The Science of Creating Heaven on Earth, are all available now on Hay House. Welcome, Dr. Lipton, to the show. Amy, Dr. Robbins, I am so happy to be here with you, but more importantly, I'm so happy to be here with your audience. When people fall in love, science has recognized they stay mindful. Mindful is a term that means you keep your conscious mind present. You're alert, you're reacting, you're present, you're not thinking. You're just being in the present moment. I say, so why is that important? Because when you stop thinking, then the brain part that's running your life is not the subconscious programs. It is now the conscious wishes and desires. You stop running the program. The conscious mind held onto the wheel and drove it. When two people are driving in that direction for, for wishes and desires and they're, and they're operating from the conscious mind, they manifest heaven on earth. And then you go, but the honeymoon doesn't last. And I go, why? Answer is simple. The reason you had the honeymoon is you stop thinking, you stay mindful. But what if you start thinking again? Well, all of a sudden, say, all of a sudden, those programs that didn't play, why? I didn't play subconscious programs when I was conscious. I didn't need the subconscious program. So I say, does my partner even know about my subconscious programs? Nope. Why? You didn't play them. You stop playing the programs. And I say, well, why is it relevant? Mm -hmm. Well, most of those programs are negative and disempowering, self-sabotaging. I say, so why? Well, in my beginning of my relationship, 
We didn't play programs. We were creating heaven on earth. But at some point down the road, it's like, oh, I got to fix a car. I got a job. I have responsibilities. I got to do this. And I'm. And then that's where all the subconscious or unconscious, as a therapist would say, comes into play. You're projecting that. And then you make that your the reality of the situation. Yes. And your partner, now remember, did not see these behaviors in the honeymoon part because you didn't play any of these negative behaviors. Now your partner is looking at you going, what kind of behavior is that? Go back to Bill. Whatever he just said, he didn't see it. So, uh, you know, my partner Margaret comes in, you know, we've been in the honeymoon, and now I'm thinking about, oh, I got to go do this work, I got to do this. She comes in and asks me a simple question, and I go, blah, blah, blah. She looks at me and goes, what was that? Who are you? Where did that come from? The story of Bill. Margaret, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Why? I didn't see my own behavior, but she saw it. She responded to it. And all of a sudden, it's like the, the glow of that honeymoon starts to get a little dimmer. But that might be the first of the negative programs. I got more negative programs that are yet to come up. So the more thinking I do, the more thinking she does, the more both of our negative programs rise to the surface. And there's a point where they conflict so much that separation, divorce, you know, whatever it was. And I said, how come it started out heaven on earth and it ends up with fight, divorce? The answer is heaven on earth was because you used your positive conscious mind, creating wishes and desires. You stopped thinking. and But as you started to add more thinking to your life, more and more of that stuff underneath starts coming up. And, and this is life, why yes. mindfulness <clears throat> is so important. Absolutely. Right? Mindfulness is the one that says, I am controlling my life with wishes and desires versus I am controlling my life with downloaded programs. Wishes and desires, that's my choice for life. Downloaded programs, I copied somebody else's life. That's what I got in the first seven years. And that's how you manifest reality, your reality in some ways. Exactly how you do that. But all day you're you're in this place of wait. But I woke up this morning and I was going to manifest a great day. One of the one of the five percent of the day. One of those minutes of I'm in. All of a sudden I'm in my conscious mind going, "Oh man, this isn't. It's not working out right." Uh, 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 and then boom, back into the program, and then more. It's not working out right. Mm-hmm. And, and so the idea is this: we are creators. The blah blah blahs. Well. They're actually related to the download from our family and our community. And, and I go, and the ha, ah, the loving, stuff like that. No, that's not from the download. That's from the creation part. 5%, 95%. And I go, so what, what can you do about it? I say, well, you can stay mindful. If you stay mindful, you never play the damn program again. And you'll have heaven on earth every day of your life. But in our world, Staying mindful is a very, very difficult job. You're being bombarded with so much information and things you have to do and integrate and and all these thoughts. And I go, yeah, but if my conscious mind is so busy thinking and integrating these thoughts, then I'm not giving my life from here. I'm giving it from down here, subconscious. And then I'm Bill. Mm -hmm. Theta is imagination. Yes, children up to age seven mix the real world and the imaginary world. Oh, let's have a tea party. Pour nothing into the cup, drink the nothing, and go, oh, that was the most wonderful tea I ever had. And I go, Theta, 
mixing imagination tea party. It wasn't real, but in the mind, you created it. Theta is also hypnosis. I go, why is it relevant? Because I need to become a member of a family and I need to become a member of a community. There are rules. You want to be a member of a family? You got to have rules. You got to have rules for a community. I go, so here, there's a thousand rules, at least a thousand rules of how I say, okay, here's an infant, two years old, and you say, here's this volume of this rules of how, you know, how to behave. I say, what's a two-year-old going to do with a book? <laughs> Can't do anything with it. So nature replaces that by having the child's brain in a state of hypnosis to observe and record the behaviors that are necessary to be a member of this family and the behaviors that are necessary to be a functional member of this community. That's how a child learns the rules. I say, so how to learn the rules? Hypnosis. And I say, what did it download? Behaviors of other people. And then those are the programs that you start your life with. When Dr. Lipton talks about the notion of heaven on earth in this way, what where I sort of go with this is the notion of the ego versus the soul. And when we think about the ego driving the bus versus the soul driving the bus, the ego drives the bus when that programming becomes who we are. The soul drives the bus when this notion of being creative and being whoever you want to be without those ego constructs is allowed to be expressed. And the only way that you can express you can truly express the soul is when the ego is quiet and the way to quiet the ego is through some sort of mindfulness practice. Again, whatever that might be for you. But this, I believe here is what Dr. Lipton is talking about is the soul is that creative part of us, that 5% that wants to be that wants to come out, that wants to express itself, but it can't because the ego holds it back because of these early programs. So when we talk about sort of spirituality and science and energy and science, how do you see those things interfacing? Because, and I know we've talked about a lot of that, but, you know, I think that people have really separated these two pieces and clearly based on this discussion, they are not at all separate that we are bringing that um, psychological energy into our physical being. And then that's getting expressed. We're creators. We're creating from this nervous system, but are you creating what you want or are you creating what the program says to conform? Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and, and all of a sudden I go like that. And then also here's another part. We have a perception, a misperception based on Newtonian physics. And you go, what the hell is that? And I go, Newtonian physics is a science. I read the book, so I get it now. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Newtonian physics is the science of the mechanics of the universe. And Newtonian physics, the first thing it does is separate matter physical reality from invisible energy. So we have a material realm, an invisible energy realm, okay, according to Newtonian physics, and then comes the principle of matter is only affected by matter, and energy is affected by energy, but energy and matter don't interact. 
So I say, so what does the resulting thinking lead to? And it goes, the body is made out of matter. You want to change the body? Chemistry, drugs, surgery, interact and physically change this, okay? And I go, but what if everything's energy? I go, very important factor, ready? Matter has in our illusion separation. I can separate my right hand from my left hand. And now I can talk about, let's talk about my right hand. I don't want to talk about my left hand. I'm going to talk about my right hand. I go, oh, so they're completely separate. Yeah, physical things are separate from each other. People are physical things. They're separate from each other. They're separate from the environment. They're separate because they're their own little contained physical thing. In 1927, Newtonian physics was replaced by a bigger model called quantum physics. And you go, what is that? And it says, matter is an illusion. <laughs> I go, no. <laughs> What does that mean? I go, matter doesn't exist. Matter is an expression of energy. And you go, but energy by definition is invisible. I go, yeah, so how can I see you? <laughs> Obviously, you must be matter. I can see you. I can touch you. I can. F I go, uh, but you're trying to tell me it's all energy. I go, yeah. I go, why? Because that's what everything inside the atom we always said, oh, smaller things, protons, neutrons, electrons, little particles. I go, and when they looked in those little particles, that's when they found at the base of it all, the particle is not created from matter. It's an energy vortex, like a nano tornado, a force field, small force field. I go, and then I said, but energy is invisible. How can I see you, Amy? How can you see me? And then it's going to sound like a joke. So we'll laugh for a second. And I say, Amy, you can see me because the lights are on. And I go, yeah. I go, point. Photons of light come from a light source, sun, lamp, wherever, fire, wherever the light is coming from. But when photons hit an energy field, they're reflected back. So I say, are you seeing my energy or are you seeing the reflection of photons? The answer is the latter because the light is what gives illumination, but the energy underneath us, our, our veneer of photons that are hitting us, the energy, you can't see that. You're seeing the reflection of the light. If there's no light, you can't see me. <laughs> uh, and then I go, and then think about this, the scan systems that are now being used, CAT scans, MRI scans, uh, PET scans, these are scanning systems that medicine uses. I go, well, how do they work? They can see inside your body. They can see all the structures. You get a CAT scan, you can see all the bones, the muscles, the tendons, and all the things. You can see all these things. I go, how do they see them? Not through light. <laughs> how can I see in the middle of your body? There's no light in there. What is the scan system reading? Energy fields. The body is made out of energy fields, but we reflect the light, and the energy fields look like now I can see them. But the point about it is this. This is really critical. Energy does not have borders. <laughs> energy is waves. And they just go out like ripples in a pond. I go, so, yeah, energy are ripples. I go, what happens in a rainstorm? The pond is being hit by all these raindrops, and they're ripples and ripples and ripples. And I say, what else? Do they, come to, do they stop when one ripple hits the other ripple? No. The ripples go through each other, and they modify each other. The waves of energy are modifying each other. I say, why is it relevant? 
There is no separation in the universe. Everything is energy. And energy is invisible and it entangles with other energy. I have an energy. Amy, you have your own energy field. But your energy field is not just connected to yourself. Your energy field is entangled in everything where you are right now. The chair you're sitting on, the computer you're looking at, other people in the family. Why? They're all ripples in a pond. I say, so why is that relevant? Because an energy over here, and you're the energy over here, they can be entangled. That's the word. And then they influence you. When... I interviewed Dr. Goswami a couple weeks ago. Hopefully you, you've had the opportunity to listen to that, that podcast, which was a bit confusing. I'm not going to lie. This is exactly what we were talking about, which is this notion of quantum entanglement, that when I am with you, whoever you is, your energy and my energy automatically are entangled with one another because we are together. And that entanglement then changes the physical makeup of who we are. So be careful who you are entangling with because you are bringing that energy into your body. This is what I was even talking about earlier. And they are bringing your energy into their body. And that is how, when we think about quantum physics, we are at the, at the smallest cellular level, shifting and changing the anatomy of our being. And I go, energy influences me. I go, the Asians for a couple of thousand years have been using feng shui. I say, what's feng shui? They recognize that every object has an energy. And where you put, this is what feng shui is all about. How you Mm -hmm. place objects is creating an energy field. You're creating a matrix of energy by decorating your house. I go, uh, Interesting. I I talk about people, you know, like the standard, like living room model, a couch and a couple of individual chairs, you know, that's a set. And I say, if you have one of those, I bet you if you sit in one of those chairs, you sit in one of those chairs, you don't sit equally in both of those chairs. There's one that's your favorite chair. I go, favorite chair? What the heck? It's a chair. They're both exactly the same. What do you mean favorite chair? I go, it's not the chair. It's the position of the chair in the crystal of the decorations and energy you put around feng shui. And so there's a chair where that energy focuses on you. You set up the energy because of feelings, okay, which are energy. And you created an interior decor. And yet you created in such a way that that one chair that you like is the focus of energy of what you put into this room. That since you had the desire to put this in, the energy from those things enhances you. So when you sit in a chair, you pick the one. Oh, when I sit in this chair, I feel more comfortable. The other chair is exactly the same. I go, no, the one that you sit in is in the field that you have created. And so all of a sudden it says, yeah, my goodness, we are responding to all these energy fields. And this is where the problem of medicine is and that is medicine is newtonian based says your body is physical ignore the energy i go you can't ignore the energy everything's energy i go why is that relevant a patient goes into a doctor's office and the doctor looks at him and takes all the statistics breathing respiration body temperature blood pressure and i go of that person sitting in that room as if there's something wrong with that person then everything that's wrong with that person is in that room right there and we're going to diagnose it I go, 
Oh, that's your problem. Because you're interconnected to everything in your environment, your family. Every family member is an energy ripple on a pond. The dog, an energy ripple on the pond. The chair, an energy ripple on the pond. I say, why is this relevant? We're an expression of the energy, okay? And we create our life based on those energies. And if you don't recognize the energy is influential, Newtonian physics says, no, energy is not relevant, then that person in the doctor's office is going to be diagnosed physically on the sense of what they brought into that office, on the test, temperature, blood pressure, all that. That's what they brought in. But if you don't really understand where that person's coming from, the job, the family dynamics that they're in, the environment that they're living in, what's going on around them. Why? You can't separate those. That's all energy that's entangled mm -hmm. with each other. You can ignore them by not, I'm not looking at them. I'm not looking out. I'm just going to say, what's wrong in here? And then they'll give me a medication to fix something wrong in here. And I go, yeah, but that wasn't where the problem came from. It came from the field and <laughs> the energy that you're in. And this is a choice issue. <clears throat> and this is when you become conscious. You have a moment of saying, this isn't right. And I go, then what are you going to do about it? I'll conform to it because that's the way we always do it. And I go, well, there's your problem. <laughs> you, you recognize it's not right, and you're staying in that field. To make the difference, you have to make a decision. And you make these decisions based on your feelings. All, all these decisions are based on feelings. <clears throat> I give people a, a story in my lecture. I say, uh, you go to a, a major department store, Macy's, Gimbel's, uh, Nordstrom, and high end, and I go, wow, great stuff here. Oh, there's a sale on shoes. They got 10 pair of shoes on sale. They're all the same price. They're all different styles, but they're all the same price. And you can get it in your size and your color. And I say, you stand in front, of the 10 pair of shoes to do what? Make a decision. I want to buy a pair of shoes. Which pair of shoes are you going to buy? They're all the same price, so all of a sudden that goes out the window. It's not based on that. Now it's based on what? Why did you end up picking one pair of shoes out of 10 available possibilities? Why did you pick one? Ready? It made you feel good. The shoes had a feeling. Ah, that's an energy. Mm -hmm. Okay, You chose based on the energies of harmony. These shoes are more in harmony with me than the other nine pair. You bought the shoe not by price, not by color. You bought it because the style was an energy that conformed to you, made you feel good. What's the Again, here, I want to point out this notion of harmony and intuition. And I think that this, if, as I'm interpreting this, as I'm listening, this is where intuition lies. It's that feeling that we have. And when we start to think, we take ourselves out of intuition. When our ego gets involved, we take ourselves away from that intuitive knowing, that feeling that we have in our lives that's telling us, yes, move this way. No, move, don't go that way. The thinking comes in and influences the intuition and the feeling. So if you can stay in the feeling, that is how you tap into your intuition. Well, just a feeling is not physical, mechanical. Feeling is an energy. So last question, because I could honestly talk to you all afternoon, um, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. What, how do we shift our energy then? 
consciousness, you have to be aware of what's going on. And if you don't like something, you don't have to go, oh, I just don't, I don't like it. Say, no, you don't like it, then do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Change, move. Don't go there and go, I, I can't do this. I just have to live with this. I go, oh, you just accepted a reality because your conscious mind can create totally different realities, but we live in fear. Oh my God, I'm in an abusive relationship. I'm going to stay in it. I know it's so abusive. It beats the hell out of me. Why are you staying? Well, it could be worse outside. <laughs> could mm-hmm. be worse. Yep. And all of a sudden I say, I accept this abuse rather than the unknown. And the reality is, if your vision is to be abused, I don't care where you're going to go, your consciousness will manifest an abusive situation. Your consciousness is creating this, and it's gonna, your creation is going to complement your consciousness. But more importantly, is it your consciousness or your subconscious? And I go, oh, my consciousness is only working 5% of the day. You know those positive thoughts? Yeah, no wonder why they didn't work. Why? Because that mind is only controlling 5%. 95%, I'm, my life is a complement to my program. And you got programmed, all of us got programmed. The movie The Matrix is not science fiction, it's a documentary. Everybody got programmed, mm-hmm. and that's the first mm-hmm. seven years, okay? And then it's interesting because in the movie The Matrix, they say, well, if you take the red pill, you get out of the program. I go, what does that mean? I go, you've already done it. <laughs> what do you mean I've done it? I said, if you have fallen in love in your life, any one time, may not last that long, I don't care. If you had a love thing that just happened, immediately consequential of this, your life is different. And I go, why? Because now you're controlling it 100% with your consciousness and not defaulting to the subconscious program. So the point is this. If you've ever experienced love like that, that's the red pill. You stop playing the program. That's mm-hmm. what the red pill done. And I say, and what happened the moment you stopped playing the program? Conscious mind took over. Creativity, positive thinking, all of those wonderful things just happened. Okay? And so then the idea is, well, then 95% of my life is coming from the program. What are my programs? Why? Well, I was programmed before I was born, last trimester of pregnancy it started. I was programmed the whole year from zero to one. What was that program? Oh, you don't remember. Well, you weren't there. Okay, how about the programming you got the whole year from being one to two? You remember those programs? No, I don't don't remember them. No. And I go, oh, okay. How about from two to three? Maybe by three I can start to remember. Okay, so here's what the point is. Do you know what your programs are? They're controlling your life 95% of the day. And I say, And I go, I'll tell you what your programs are. Your life is a printout of your programs. Hmm. And I go, what does that mean? I say, the things that you like that come into your life, they come in because the program acknowledges those things. But this is the one, please pay attention. The things that you wish for and desire, but you have to work real hard. You have to struggle. You have to sweat. I'm going to make this happen. I'm working real hard. I'm putting a lot of effort. Why are you working so hard? Ready? The programs that you got before seven do not support that outcome. And you're using your conscious mind to try to override the negative program by saying, I could put more effort into it. I can make it happen. I can work on it. I go, 
you're working to overcome the fact that the program you've got doesn't support that. <laughs> so I say, you want to know what your programs are? Look at your life. The things that you like come in. Don't worry about it. You got program. That's why they're there. But the things that you want in your life, and they don't come readily, and you have to work real hard and stress over to make it happen, it's not you're fighting the outside. You're fighting the program on the inside that does not support that conclusion. And so let's say I'm looking for this wonderful relationship most of my life, and I'm going, uh, how come I can't find it? <laughs> and then it turns out because 95% of my life is coming from the program. Where did I get that? My mother and father's relationship. So that my life is going to play that program. Well, that mm -hmm. program didn't lead to success. <laughs> so I struggle. And then the point is, well, if you know this, then there's an opportunity to rewrite those programs. And as a psychologist, I'm going to leave that, that story for you. But the idea is, if I know what the program is, then I can change that program specifically. I have a troubled relationship. I got to review what I learned about relationships in my subconscious. And I can reprogram the content of a relationship that I love. I can reprogram. This is where my life changed personally. Because first thing was always going from putting culture medium into a dish and see, seeing how that environment was controlling it and then following this and following and following it and getting up to, oh my God, the control and the chemistry is from the brain, but the brain has consciousness. I go all the way up to this point, you know, I got it. And that, then that awareness came that said, if I don't change the program, I am doomed to keep playing this program for the rest of my life. I got a bad relationship. Guess what? I had a relationship with this person, didn't work out. Then I had a relationship with this person, it didn't work out. Then I had a relationship with that person, it didn't work out. And it was like, what's wrong with all of them? I said, the only common thing in all of them was me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so and getting I people to recognize to that is not easy. No, but that was as a biological consequence, not as a, you know, with, you know, oh, that philosophically, that's a really wonderful idea. It had nothing to do with philosophy. It had mm -hmm. to do with biology and chemistry. And when I understood that, then I started to say, wait, this behavior is taking me off track. I'm not finding this. So what do I need to do? I need to change my conscious pro subconscious program that I got from my parents. And through ways that uh, you can administer as a psychologist, uh, I can rewrite that. And I say, so what was the result? I started to rewrite where the conflicts and the negative part were coming from by recognizing those were programs. So I just had to take the opposite of that program and download that. And guess what? Honeymoon with Margaret, 22 years. I wake up every day going, oh, wow, we're still here. We're still in love. Life is beautiful and all that. And we create a beautiful life because between us, like Bill, uh, she would look at me and go, you know, that behavior, that wasn't necessarily the greatest behavior. And I go, oh, I should change that. I go, yeah, okay, psychologically, I can change it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I say, what was the result? And that's the beautiful part. If you reprogram the negative things that you were struggling with, with positive programs, positive thinking, but applied, I can change that program. And so today, what? I cleaned out almost all the negative stuff. Why is that relevant? I wake up every day going, wow, I'm still here. What a great place. Look what I'm creating. Look at my life that I've created from personally, I can see my transition from here to here as a result of what? 
recognizing I am a creator, that we're each creators. And if you don't like the creation, you don't have to live with that creation because you can rewrite the programming because a negative creation is not coming from the positive thinking of a conscious mind. And if you understand that, then we'll beat a pathway to your door, Amy, so you can help us say, hey, I don't like this part of the program. Help me with this part. And there are ways to change those programs. And the point is, the moment you change the program, you've rewritten the script for your life. And you are free to do that. But if you don't know you have programs, they're invisible. You bought into the belief that you're a victim. I say the belief of victim manifests what? Victim. Victim, yep. I believe I'm victim. Oh, surprise. I am a victim of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not mm-hmm. of this. Of this. Right. If, if anybody has read Dr. Daniel Siegel's work, this is, he talks a lot about this. Uh, his work is in interpersonal neurobiology. And I attended a lecture of his years ago, and it stuck with me so profoundly because I remember him talking about from zero to two, let's say we don't necessarily have verbal skills to describe what's happened to us, right? But we still have it doesn't mean nothing happened. And so when we're thinking about energy in this way, and we think about the environment that we grew up in when we were in those really early developmental years, think about what the energy felt like. And I always, I always talk with my patients off, not always, but often when I'm sharing about energy, I remember when my daughter was about four months old and she was laying on the changing table and we were really conscious about keeping a very peaceful home, right? We wanted her to feel relaxed and at peace. And I'll never forget. I yelled down to my husband because I needed something and she was on the changing table. And her immediate reaction was that she burst into tears. And I just thought about the power of that moment. The energy that she experienced in that moment was a shift in me. She, it was, I wasn't yelling at her. I was just yelling down to my husband. It wasn't an angry yell. It was like, Hey, can you grab me the desitin or whatever it was? And she, because the the energy typically was not that, she noticed that shift. And in that moment, I thought, holy cow, can we just imagine what it is like if the environment that you are in at an early age is that type of tumultuous environment where screaming and yelling and fighting and arguing is going on? And you're hearing that, but you're also feeling it at a cellular level, how that then shifts the the entire being of who you are, how that changes the neuronal firings in your brain to change you at a cellular level. So just think about that for a little bit and hold that as you're reflecting on who you are and how you are the way that you are. And, and this is the, the connection of, of really what ancient spirituality, uh, <clears throat> let me just uh, say, I was not a spiritual person. I didn't believe in that at all. Neither was I. <laughs> I was a biology guy. Genes, chromosomes, proteins, cells. You're here, then you're dead, and all the pieces go back into the ground and all that. But when I started to understand the nature of quantum physics and epigenetics, because quantum physics has first emphasized the invisible field. Epigenetics says that invisible field is now shaping your biology. And I started to recognize that. I mean, there was an instant where I said, oh, my God, 
I'm a, like a broadcast. I'm an energy field that is being picked up by antennas, proteins, antennas like television antennas on the surface of my cells. My cells are like little television sets with antennas on them. I said, yeah. And what program are they playing? I said, whatever program is coming across those antennas is going to play through that cell. And I go, yeah, but the program is not inside the cell. It came from the broadcast. And the broadcast is the field. And I say field, and I go, in quantum physics, the term field represents the invisible energy that we're immersed in. Wherever you are right now, there's invisible energies passing through you all the time. Radio broadcast, TV broadcast, cell phone calls, uh, solar energy. We're in a field, okay? And I started to recognize no two people have the same set of these antennas. I go, why was it relevant? Because they're identity creators. So if I take my cells, Amy, and put it into your body, my antennas don't match the antennas on your cells. I go, so why is that relevant? Because the immune system can read the antennas. And it says, oh, wait, these cells don't belong to us. They're receiving a different broadcast. They're not receiving our show. They're receiving whoever those cells they're tuned to. And so the immune system will eliminate them. Okay? So I say, so what's the relevance? The identity that we have we associate with the antennas. You have a different set of what are called self-receptors than I have self-receptors, receivers of self. I go, and why is it relevant? Because when you understand quantum physics, it's not the antennas where the show is coming from. It's the broadcast in the field. My antennas pick up the Bruce show. Your <laughs> antennas pick up the Amy show. If I put my cells in your body, there are two shows going on at the same time. The immune system says, I can't have two of them. Get rid of that foreign one. Okay. <clears throat> and I was understanding the nature of how the membrane was translating environment into biology and then realized no two people share the same set of antennas. I go, why is it relevant? The antennas are not what make us different. It's the broadcast received by the antennas from the environment that makes us different. So I said, well, my body is like, okay, a television set. You're looking at the Bruce show on my television set, okay? And I go, when you're watching TV and TV breaks, we say, TV's dead. Yep, it's not working anymore. That's true, dead TV. Is the broadcast still going? Of course it's still going. How do I know? I get another TV, turn it on, tune it into the station, and boom, I'm back on again. Wait a minute. The broadcast continues. The bodies come and go. The televisions. Mm. I'm not the television. I'm the broadcast that's coming in here. And the moment I recognize, I said, I can't die because I'm not the TV. I'm just playing through this TV. I am the broadcast being picked up by these antennas. Mm -hmm. TV, body's not working, broadcast is still there. If another embryo shows up in the future with the same set of antennas, you're back online again, different TV. Does it have to be male or female TV? Nope, that's a TV set. Does it make a difference if it's white, brown, red, black, yellow? No, that's a TV set. We're not the TVs. That's just the expression of us in this virtual reality suit that we come into. We're remotely controlled robots. The signals <laughs> of self coming in control what I do. Unless I start thinking, 
And then automatically the control is then sent to the subconscious because I can let go of the wheel and the subconscious will be the autopilot. And so the moment I recognize it's like, oh my God, I'm not in here. Uh, and it was kind of funny because <clears throat> as a scientist, of course, I have to ask questions of like, I just recognize I'm the broadcast and then I have a body and the broadcast on body. I go, I ask myself, why have a body and a spirit? Field and spirit. Oh, I should go back. I mentioned field is the energy that we're immersed in. Mm-hmm. Let me give a definition of it, right? Field, invisible moving forces that influence the physical world. Spirit, definition, invisible moving mm-hmm. forces that influence the physical world. I go, it's not a coincidence. Quantum physics is revealing the ancient insight into spirituality. Even the two words, field and spirit, have the same definition to them. So I go, so why is it relevant? And the idea is there is a spiritual existence. And then when I recognize that, now go back to my little story that always amuses me because of the insight. The minute I look and go, oh my God, I'm not in here. I'm the broadcast. Then I say to myself, why have a body and a spirit? Why not just be the spirit? And 50 trillion cells answer welled up. And and then I had to recognize they're Jewish comedian cells. I say, why? (laughs) Because I said, I asked them a question. Why have a body and a spirit? Why not just be the spirit? And the 50 trillion cells answered with a question. I asked them, why have both? And the cells said to me, Bruce, if you're just a spirit, what does chocolate taste like? <laughs> and all of a sudden, uh, that you know, that little funny thing, but it's like that's the most profound thing in the entire world. Why? Right. The chocolate doesn't come from the spirit world. Chocolate right. comes from a translation of the energy by a biological system that translates taste into vibrations of the brain, which go back to source. And all of a sudden it says, oh, my God, I have a spirit. And if I said to, you know, an unexperienced spirit, I say, and love is so beautiful. And the, and the spirit goes, love, that's nice. No experience of love. Why? First, you need a body. And then mm-hmm. love is a chemistry. Mm-hmm. And the chemistry is translated by the brain into the sensation. And the brain, and this is a very important part. We think that our thoughts are contained in our head. I say, where do we get that idea? I say, well, you put wires on a person's head called electroencephalograph, and I could read what's going on in your head. Now I say, guess what? There's a new device, a newer one, <clears throat> magnetoencephalograph. I go, EEG, electroencephalograph, MEG, magnetoencephalograph. I say, what's the difference? EEG, put the wires on my head and read the brain function inside. Magnetoencephalograph, the probe is out here. And I could read your brain function. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, my thoughts are not contained in my head. My thoughts are broadcast into the field. Ripples. I'm sending mm-hmm. thought ripples into the field. And I go, what happens with ripples? They entangle with the other ripples. And all of a sudden, my thoughts become creative because my thoughts alter the field. I feel like these last five minutes are life, death, and the space between. This is the essence of what I am always talking about. 
is the spirit, the soul comes into human form to be able to have these beautiful experiences, the experiences of love, the experiences of chocolate, the experiences of joy, the experiences of tequila for me, the experiences of feeling completely outside of your body, even though you're in it. And a spirit or a soul cannot get to these transcendent places without being in a human body. I think someone had reached out a couple months ago and said, why does a soul have to come into carnation? And this is why, because in order to experience these human feelings, we have to be in a human body. Wow. Well, this was mind blowing. Um, I am so grateful for your time, for your knowledge. I'm not kidding. You should really think about bringing this out into the world somewhere. Um, you've you've got some things to say. We're doing this right now, aren't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I don't even, I'm like speechless. Um, if people want to know where to find you, you're pretty easily findable, but you can Google Dr. Bruce Lipton. Bruce Lipton.com. Um, Lipton.com. Get his book, The Biology of the Belief The Biology uh, of Belief. It's And it's in all bookstores, I hope. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's probably one of the top books in science and spirituality, I would imagine. Um, so thank you so much for your time today. I'm incredibly grateful. Amy, for your knowledge. I, uh, I am very grateful to you. Thank you for creating an audience of creatives, cultural seekers of a new way of life and giving me a little soapbox to stand on and, and talk to this wonderful audience because those that are watching us are truly seeking, I want a different way of life. And this information that we've been discussing today is the key or even the doorway to open up there's a that you have an option. You want to be on a honeymoon or you want to be in hell. That, that's how you participate. And, and, and all of a sudden it's like, I'm, it's not an accident. And if it's not an accident, then the net result of what we've been talking about all day, Amy, is I can create better than what I've got. Mm-hmm. I go, yeah, you can create. Wow. Well, thank you again. And amazing. So as you all end this year, which for me in so many ways felt more challenging than 2020, I hope that we can together move forward in a spirit and a place of love and embodying the wonderful things that we've learned this year, the challenges we've had, the pains and the hardships and the growth and that we can transcend those difficulties and find a place to love yourself, to appreciate yourself, to take vacations from yourself, with yourself, from the people you love, whatever that looks like, and move into this next 2022 in a space of joy and excitement and transcendence. I am so excited for what's to come. I have had some truly profound revelations in these past few weeks that I will be sharing with you all at some point. But just to give you a little bit of a taste of what's to come at the end, at the the beginning of next year is 
is we are going to be talking about living and then we are going to be talking about dying and then we are going to be talking about that space in between. I'm so excited for everything I have in store for you all. I'm excited for what we're all going to learn and do together to move and raise the consciousness of this planet. And I have a whole new understanding of what that actually means. So I wish you all the very best. I hope you got as much out of re-listening to this episode as I did re-listening to it and uh, enjoy whatever you have left of 2021 or whenever you're listening to this. And I look forward to continuing all of this next year. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between.